Amen. Amen. What a powerful thing to declare together. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on us. Blow through the caverns of our soul. Oh, I love that song so much, and I hope that those words were true for you, that that was the cry of your heart as we declared those things together. Well, today we're coming to the end uh, of our journey, this whole year, to the end of this study that we've had. Our theme for this year was yesterday, today, and forever, and we wanted to understand the faithfulness of our God, the consistency and, uh, of our Heavenly Father in a world that is constantly changing, and as our own lives are constantly changing, He is the same. From creation, the beginning of time itself, through the stories of Adam and Abraham and Moses and David, he is the same. With Paul and Peter and James and John, he is the same. With St. Augustine and Martin Luther and kings and presidents and tyrants, he is the same. His love is the same, His power is the same, His grace, His justice, His presence, His gospel is the same. And that means He will always be here too, with you, with us, forever. It's been an incredible journey studying these stories of those followers in the Old Testament, looking at the ways that God was present in their lives as as they chose to submit and believe and follow Him in crazy ways. He was faithful. He was there leading, guiding, speaking, correcting. Our God is the same. In the Advent season, we looked at the prophecies and promises that God had given us about His Son, the things that He told us He was going to do and be, and His faithfulness in fulfilling those promises hundreds and even thousands of years after they were spoken. Our God is the same. And then we looked at the life of Jesus and the gospel in human form. The things he said and did, the people he cared about, the things he wanted us to see and understand about our Father so we could see our God is the same. And now as we've come to the end of this journey this year and as we prepare to step into things that God is going to be leading us into as we move forward. We've been coming through the book of James, this letter written by Jesus' own brother half-brother, speaking to the early church as they faced persecution and division. And it was a church moving into a new era as the original apostles and leaders were ending their ministries, passing away and passing the church, the torch on to this new generation of the church stepping out into an unknown and uncertain future. And he wants us to see in the middle of all that change and fear that our God is still the same. Do you believe it? Have you seen it? Has he spoken this truth 
to you this year that you can trust Him here, now, today, because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He has done is what He is doing is what He will do because He does not change and His love never fails. It's been a fascinating journey. It's been so exciting and I've been so personally deeply challenged by the stories we've been reading by the things that God has been speaking because it's so easy for me, for us, to really just see them as stories, myths and fables and moral tales with a nice meaning and we get together and we talk about them and we, they're just meant to help us live well. But do I truly believe that the God of Abraham is the Father of Jesus, is the God of the Apostles, is present here in this room today? Do I believe that the power of this God is real and working right here, right now? Do I believe that His mission is our salvation and His holiness and justice will win? It matters. What we actually believe about this matters because if it's true and if all of this is really true, it changes everything. And everything we do, everything we are, matters. Because God said it does. And He doesn't change. Every person is made in His image and their life is known by Him. And our sin has destroyed everything and He has given us hope. Because He is love and He loves us. And that will never change. Our God is the same. Today we come to the end of this letter. To James's final thoughts for us. The last things he wants to speak to us. That he wants us to see. He wrote this letter to the church as a whole. To the twelve tribes scattered as he called them. To God's chosen people. Old and new. And he's talked about facing trials and temptations, actually about, about actually living out the life offered to us in the gospel. He's talked about the dangers of wealth and power, about how to treat each other, about proving our faith with our works, that our life should actually look different. He's talked about the power of our words and called us to humility before our God. And now, in this final chapter, he calls us forward. Turn with me this morning to James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 7 and read to the end of the chapter. James chapter 5. Let's read together this morning. He says this, Be patient then. Brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Amen. Salvation, prayer, promises, and glory. James is a man who loves the church and he wants to see it grow and thrive. And as he closes his letter, these are the things that he wants us to see. And the thing that stands out to me in this letter and in this passage especially is the kingdom vision that James has. And it speaks so deeply to our theme for this year, but James just sees life, sees the world so differently than I often do. And his perspective is so critical for us to understand because it informs everything that he is teaching us. And so he starts this closing passage with a critical reminder of that heavenly reality, a reminder that God really is real and he really is going to bring all things to an end. There really are eternal consequences and heavenly realities that we have to see and understand. And he calls our attention to those things here first. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, he says, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits patiently for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rain. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. He's right there. These words are so fascinating to me because I just ignore them so easily. How often do we truly think about Jesus' return? Do we actually live like we really believe it? Or do we live like all of this is just going to go on forever? 
If I'm really honest with myself, so much of the way I live and the things I choose don't really reflect that I believe Jesus is coming back and any day. Maybe it'll be another 2,000 years from now and maybe it'll be tomorrow. And it shouldn't matter because I should be ready for Him. Living for Him. Not for myself. Be patient until the Lord's coming, expecting it, ready for it. And we feel it when we're at a funeral or something like that. One of those serious life moments when we feel a little bit more vulnerable and fragile. We're reminded of just how frail and short our lives truly are and how little control we have. And for a moment we feel a pull to somehow live differently. We should be doing something different. We're not entirely sure what all the time, but we feel like we're missing something. All the things we suddenly think we want to do, if we knew this was our last day, how would we be different? But the second it's out of our immediate attention, we just kind of, Start coasting along again, doing again whatever we want, and we fall immediately back into all the patterns and the habits that we have. Some of them even important, even good, or at least fine, but not eternal. But we have to remember, we have to see that all of this, all of this, all of this is so much more important than we know because God is near. And what we do matters. The judge is standing at the door. When I was in school all those decades ago, I'm getting old now, we had a principal named Mr. Sipe. We always liked Mr. Sipe. He was a good teacher and a good principal, a good man. But we especially liked him because the teachers would take turns being on supervision walking the halls and, and keeping an eye on things during recess and lunch breaks and making sure that we weren't getting into trouble, which of course we never were. And we liked Mr. Sipe when he was on supervision because he wore these crazy loud shoes. We had an older school building and there were these crawl spaces and things underneath and the floors would really echo and you could hear Mr. Sipe coming from halfway across the school because he's had these shoes with really loud soles that just thundered across the floor. And so you knew when he was coming and we'd quickly stop whatever we were doing and before he came in the room to catch other people would stop what they were doing, not me, and, whatever, and before he could come in the room and catch them. And after I graduated, he told us a story that he always knew when we were up to no good, because of course he did. We were never as clever as we thought we were. He always knew, and we never noticed that almost all the time he wore running shoes to work. And it was only when he was on supervision that he wore what he called his loud shoes to let us know that he was coming so that we would have a chance to get straightened up. We behave differently when we know consequences are near. We shouldn't have to, but we do. And James wants us to understand that God is always close 
not as an iron fist hovering over us, waiting to punish us, but as a holy God, inviting us to experience His incredible presence and life, to run from death and sin and be free from the hurt and suffering that we bring on ourselves. The judge is at the door. And as followers of Jesus, we cannot be so quick to lose sight of that. Because He is there to bring correction and He is there to bring us hope. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. And have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God is calling us to trust. To believe. To live in faith. That He is faithful because He has been faithful. Just like those prophets told us. And it's as we live in the truth that God is near, that He is at the door, that we can trust that He will take care of us. And so we pray. All of this feeds into itself. All of these things that James is teaching us come from the same place. These aren't separate ideas, separate teachings. God is near, He is coming, and He is here. And the prophet said so. And He calls us to pray to a God that hears us because He is here. And He answers. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We are called to pray together for each other, with each other, for our world, for forgiveness and healing, for strength and direction. God is here. He has fulfilled His promises. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt And into the promised land, he built a kingdom and gave them a temple. He brought the Messiah and then raised him from the dead. And he called us to pray because he is here. The judge, our defender, is standing at the door. Next week, we're going to begin our summer series. Stepping into the new things that God is leading us into. And I am so excited. It's going to be an amazing fall in the whole year. But we're going to be exploring all summer long what prayer is. Different kinds of prayer. Different ways we use prayer. How God speaks to us as we pray. What it means for us together to pray. Because we have to understand. We have to know and we have to do it because it matters. And because God has given us a mission. 
My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save themselves from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is where he ends. Because this is what matters. This is what we're doing. This is what we're about. All of the love and serving and sharing and caring and teaching and preaching and bringing meals and driving someone to an appointment and helping someone move and parking cars in the parking lot for the ball players. It's all about sharing the love of Jesus. Helping people to see that He is near. Helping them to see His presence that they might turn their heart to Him and be forgiven and set free. Over and over, so many times I talk with people in different stages and phases of life and I hear how they feel like God wants nothing to do with them. That they are too bad, too unworthy, too lost. And some of that is bravado. I don't want God in my life, so I'll pretend He doesn't want anything to do with me anyway. But far too often they are speaking the truth. They don't think God loves them or even that He could. They don't think He could want them. They can't imagine He would care about them. And we need to show them He does. We need to tell them He does. To help them turn from their sin that is poisoning their heart and their life and embrace freedom and hope and joy and peace and forgiveness and life in Jesus, with Jesus, forever. It all works together. We have to remember how imminent and present Jesus truly is, that He is right here, right now, and He is coming back too to fulfill His promises and make everything right. He needs us to believe and to pray and to show people the way because all of this matters and so do they. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He created everything. And He gave Himself for us to save us. And He is coming back to end all things and bring us into glorious new life with Him forever. We just have to trust Him to believe to see what He has done and obey. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for James. We thank You for his leadership and his ministry, for the journey that he was on as he came to know and understand that his brother, Jesus, was so much more, was God was the Messiah, was His Savior. 
We thank you for the way your spirit worked in the life of James to build and inspire that leadership in him, the care that he showed the church, and that all these thousands of years later we can read his letter and be encouraged just as they were, be challenged just as they were. God, you are incredible the way you speak across the centuries and that we can be standing there with those believers in that same place just trying to trust and follow you to obey. Jesus, we thank you that you are near. We thank you that you are present here, that your spirit speaks to us and is moving. We pray that you will lead and guide us, that we can share the love of Jesus with the people in our life that need it, that we would speak truth and enjoy life and help people turn from their sin to experience hope and forgiveness. We thank you and we praise you. We ask for your leadership and direction in Jesus' name. Amen.